Do you crave meaningful conversations with people of different backgrounds and perspectives? Do you admire certain people from afar but wish you can get to know them on a deeper level? Thankfully, we live in an incredible age where long-form conversation allows us to connect with those who inspire us beyond the often manufactured sound bites, small talk, and social media posts we are bombarded with on a daily basis. This is a podcast that seeks to provide you, our listeners, with refreshing content from a variety of inspiring guests, a place where we can truly hear their stories. I'm Karen Corrin, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 24 of Soul Sessions with KK. Thanks so much for sticking around and listening to these interviews. The point of these interviews is to get you to think, and it's to get you to listen to someone else, someone who might not think the same as you and who might not have a similar background as you. But I really believe that when we listen to other people, that's where our growth begins. And that's where we connect to other people. We don't connect to other people by just talking to them and listening to ourselves speak. We connect to others by listening to them. And that's what these interviews are all about. Anyway, my next guest, Hani Lisbon, she shows us the importance about sharing our pain with others, and that even though it's the hardest thing to do, it's oftentimes the best thing for our growth and our healing, and it helps us deal with our own struggles, and that's exactly what happened to me when I listened to Hani Lisbon open up about her hair loss journey, her alopecia. I have a daughter who has alopecia areata and so does Hani and I think we really connected in that way but whether you have alopecia or not you will connect and resonate with Hani's story because she shows us that when we ask for help and we're open about our pains with others that's what helps us connect and you will find her to be so humble so honest and she is hilarious. She's a stand-up comedian, by the way. You will really, really enjoy this story. Please let me know what you think by leaving a review on the podcast and, you know, sending more questions in. I would really, really love to touch on more topics. Anyway, Khani's story teaches us that we're never alone in our struggles and it takes a village to live a meaningful life. Before I introduce her, I just first a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Neon Blue, a trendy and affordable marketplace for all your home goods and fashion for the whole family. Go to www.neonblue.com. That's N-E-O-N-B-L-E-A-U.com. Subscribe to the email list and save 10% off your first order. Check out at Neon Blue on Instagram as well. And without further ado, I would love to introduce my guest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 24 of Soul Sessions with KK. I am here with the wonderful Hani Lisbon, who I've had the pleasure of knowing on Instagram for maybe the last two years or so. And someone sent me a post of hers. I remember this two years ago because 
it was at the time that I was experiencing um, coping with my daughter's recent alopecia. And someone sent me this post and they were like, Karen, you got to, you got to, you got to read this. This will definitely, definitely resonate with you. And I remember reading it and just being so touched. I started crying and then I just got hooked on Hani Lisbon's page because she not only has an incredible story to share with us, but she's also incredibly funny. <laughs> and I find that her humor really, really speaks to me. Um, she has this like observational humor. <laughs> she used to be, I mean, before COVID, she used to do like, like she do like observational humor with like the subway. She would just like <laughs> look at people on the subway and the quirky things that they do. And I just found it, found it to be hilarious. But anyway, I'm going to let Khani take center stage right now. Khani, welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. It's an honor and pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I got a little teary-eyed just now when you were describing me. I was like, oh, this is so beautiful to hear. I, re I really mean it. I really mean it. So it's really incredible that you're here on my show because I want the audience to know why I want to have you on my show right now. Um, I need them to get a piece of what I've experienced in the last two years from your page. So wow. tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay, so... I mean, I just want to say, just like reflecting back to what you just said about like you saw and sent you the post about the alopecia and I put stuff out there and I don't know who's going to get it and I don't know who needs to see it. And at the time, two years ago, I was losing my hair and I had just lost all my hair. And I think that's the post that you might have seen and I was completely bald. And there is a vulnerability in sharing it myself on that level in a public way and just listening to you share how much you needed to see that it's just making me realize like I have no idea the power of like what sharing actually like what sharing actually is and like it's not even about me anymore it's about the people that are going to be affected by what I say or don't say and you know I remember like oh so I, I guess I didn't tell you a little bit about me because that's like a broad question but I am a I'm 38 years old. I live in New York. I live in Crown Heights. I'm originally from Los Angeles. I've been living in New York for many years. I feel like a New Yorker. When people hear that I'm from LA, they're like, are you though? Really? Because you're very New York. And I, I take it as a compliment when I get mistaken as someone who's from here because I just love New York so much. Um, I don't know if you... What do you love about New York? Because uh, I'm like, really? I want to get out of here right now. Oh, well, now it's a little <laughs> different. But I mean, before the whole, you know, I just love the energy here. And I just love the city. I mean, not anymore. You know, it's different. Yeah. It's yeah. a ghost town right now. But let's just say focus on the positive. Um, I just I just love the restaurants, the comedy scene, like the subway. Like I used to just, I love Manhattan. I just love... What do you what do you love about the people of New York? Because I find them to be a little bit sometimes rude. And... Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I think I like that. I think like no one cares. They just don't give an f. You know, they're just like, I'm here. I'm here from let's say the Midwest, and they're just like, I'm living my best life. I got away from my parents. I could do whatever I. I don't know. There's just like this attitude of like, everyone's I don't just care. Like, yeah. And it's like, that's kind of why I'm here. It's like, I just want to like live my best life. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes specifically, but you know what I mean? It was, I don't know. I just like it here. I'm from LA and like, I, I don't miss it. I don't feel like I need to be living there. So. Wow. So when, when did you move to New York? Uh, right before I turned 21. 
I, wow. and I just said how old I am. So if you guys do the math, you can figure out how many years I've been here. If you could tell me, that would be helpful because I have no idea. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know math. I'm like, how many years have I been here? I don't have a calculator. <laughs> That's 38 minus 21. Mm, who knows? That's how long I've been here. So you moved here when you were 21. Did you come here for work or did you come here to study or you just I, came to I just, just explore? I literally just came to explore. I thought I was coming for one year. I knew two people that lived here. Who? And um, my Do friend Adel, I still know them, but I'm not like close to them. Adel, Adel Pinson, Adel Mayarchik was her name, her married, her, her maiden name and Leah Ash who lives in LA. And um, I had like $450 and one suitcase and no job. And I just like bought a one-way ticket to New York. And I like slept in my friend's bed for like a week. And then I found a place to live and I found a job the first week. And I was at that job for 15 years. The same job. The same job. Like when you met me, I think I was still at that job yes, in the diamond industry. Yes. Oh, I didn't know you were in the diamond industry. Yeah. So were you in like the 47th Street area? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Because I just saw this movie, Uncut Gems, with Adam Sandler. I don't know yeah. if you saw that. I, I recognize half of the people from that movie because they took real people who work there. Yes, I heard. Like, do, do you feel like you were like, like relived a little bit of that? Like, oh, yeah. I was like, this is, I was so grateful. I watched it during COVID and I was like, thank God I don't work there anymore. I was just like, thank you, Hashem, for taking me off that block. I was there for fifth. I knew every single person That's on the crazy. street. Yeah. So, so what, what made you decide to leave that industry? And now I know that right now you're working with the frock. You're a part yeah. of the frock family. And well, I, I know you're a I, comedian. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it for a very long time, but fear kept me there. So I never wanted to be there specifically. It wasn't like, oh, I want to work in diamonds. I was just like, oh, this is a job that pays me really well. And I just stayed. And then thank God, like, events happened where I like had to leave. Like I left that job and I got a new job and then I, I lost that job. And then once I lost that job, I was like, I'm, I'm leaving the industry. I never want to go back. Wow. And so I didn't work for the frock for that first year. I was like doing freelance stuff. I was on unemployment. And then last March they hired me and I, I'm, I, I don't really work for them right now because of COVID. I don't really have a job right now. Um, I'm sort of yeah. looking for a job, but um, I love working for them. And yeah, it was. How did you meet um, Simeon Hyer from The Frock? I thought um, you guys were friends for a long time from what so, I- So, oh, I have been friends with them for, for years, but I only started working for them a year and a half ago. Um, right. I met them, do you know me, Mulo? Do you know yeah. Hani Frankel? So I met them through Hani Frankel at like a Shavuos barbecue or something, uh, maybe like five years ago, four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. and um, maybe four years ago. And then I just became really good friends with them. I go to their house every Shabbos and. You just have that friendly vibe. I feel like you become friends with everyone that you just meet. No, nah, I just... mean, maybe. Thank you. That's really nice. You give that vibe off that you're a very friendly person. Thank you. Yeah. So, okay. So, okay. You moved to New York and you stayed in this job and then you decided to leave it because you realized you weren't happy. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You want to explore something else. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your comedy and how you got into comedy? Did you know you're always funny? Uh, now, how did you get into that? Okay. So I took a class like, like, like 
10 years ago or 11 years ago, I took a stand-up comedy class, like a six week course where they like teach you how to write jokes. And the graduation is a comedy show and you perform in front of all your friends and like, you know, that was it. And uh, I did that and I didn't plan on continuing to do it. Uh, that was the best night of my life. Mm. <laughs> I had like a hundred friends there. No, like maybe 50 to 75 people there. It was the best like five minutes of my entire life. It was my first time doing comedy and I like killed it. It was so, so, so great. I, I still have the DVD and sometimes I just watch it to be like, oh my God, that's so crazy. Like I just got up there and did it. And then I sort of stopped doing it after that. I didn't stay. And then like four years ago, I picked it up again. And I've just been like, okay, no, this really makes me happy. I have to be on stage. I like being on stage. I'm, I enjoy public speaking and I really love making people laugh. So yeah. it has been weird during COVID to like not have that ability to just like get on stage, you know? And I don't feel right. the same in terms of Zoom shows that they have. I haven't really, I've done a couple, but it's, I don't really feel the same kind of need to do it. Right. On Zoom. Well, besides the therapeutic um, aspect of it, what else does it provide for you? Um, uh, besides like making other people laugh and feeling good, does it provide any other outlet for you? Um, it feels like a creative expression of who I am. I feel like my comedy is very specific to like my way of thinking. It's not like I don't talk about politics. I'm not like oh my God, it's so hot. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like I talk more about like my personal experiences and I share very vulnerably on stage in a way that like some people don't feel comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I literally just like share whatever's going on and I make fun of whatever it is. So a lot of it is like self-deprecating, but it just feels like healing to get up there and like have people see me and, you know, be seen. I love the attention. Wow, <laughs> beautiful. So I know, um, I don't know if it was a year ago or over a year ago, you did a mic drop speech Yeah. and I attended that mic drop speech. I remember seeing you at the end and I was like so touched. And I remember during the middle of your mic drop speech, like everyone who came with me, like was turned around to look at me because they knew that it really spoke to me. And I wow. remember like when you were speaking, it was like a combination of like humor and depth and emotion and vulnerability. And I remember it really like, it touched me so much. I was crying nonstop wow. because of your story. And I know you spoke, um, you spoke a little bit about addiction, but it was mostly about how your hair loss affected you. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that mic drop speech and um, just sharing your journey about your hair loss? Sure. Us? Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember meeting you that night, by the way. That yeah. was a beautiful night. Finally um, in person. <laughs> I have alopecia. And so right now I have a full head of hair. You wouldn't know that I have alopecia. Like my hair is like down to my shoulders. I've been wearing it up every day because it's so hot and I don't want to blow dry it. But it's funny, like right now, like over my bed, there's a picture of me. I kind of want to show you. Can I show you? Yes, of please. Of me totally uh, bald. Hold I on. remember that. That's how I remember you. Can you see that? Yes. So I have that over my bed. And it wow. just like reminds me that like, even if I lose my hair, like I'm okay. Mm -hmm. um, because it's fallen out like three times. 
since you uh, just like that? total total oh in general yeah right. it's fallen out three times i've been bald three times um when was it the hardest bald. for you i think i think the second time how old were you at that time It was like five years ago. Oh, right, right, right. This is what. So yeah, the first time it happened, it was from a medication side effect. So I wasn't fully bald, but it was just like falling out all the time. And then the second time I was like fully bald and I had to shave my head because there was like nothing left. And that was, uh, that was the hardest because I like put on a shaitel for a week because I thought that would make me feel safe having hair, but then everybody thought that I got married. So that was really upsetting. Cause I was like, no, they were like, Mazel tov. I was like, no, 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 not married, just bald. Um, so that was really traumatic. And then the third time was hard, but I was like, okay, I know how to do this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's still falling out right now, but like it's been falling out for a year and like, I don't have any major bald spots. So I don't know exactly what's happening, but when did you realize you actually have alopecia? Were you was, young? It, no, it, it happened when I was like, whoops, five years ago. I was like 33. Oh, that was the, I thought that was the second time you had Yeah, it. so the first time I was in my 20s. Oh, wow. So I, I, I didn't have it as a kid. I think yeah. I was actually 30. I was already 30. I've only had it in the last 10 years. So it's fallen and, out so many times in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the first time it happened, I'm sure that was pretty traumatizing because, you know, for 20 years, you identify with someone who has hair. Yeah. You know, when it happened to my daughter, I think I obviously was much more, you know, affected by it than her because she didn't even realize it was happening. You know, it happened to her first at two years old and then at three. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. So she didn't even notice it was happening until like, she had like one strand of hair left. She was like, oh, mommy, look, you know? And wow. I was the one that like had to hide my like emotions and pain from her. Like I was the one that needed to go to therapy and like deal with all wow. of this. Wow. Does she have uh, hair now? No, she's completely bald. Wow. Yeah. So she has been bald for the last five years or so. But, you know, seeing women like you, who are so public about it, you know, at your age that it actually, you identified as a woman having hair and then you lose that. That's, that's a huge loss. Oh yeah. It was awful. It was awful. The first time that it happened, I wore hats and I didn't talk about it at all. Not even with family members or friends. No, family members and friends, but like not publicly. I wasn't on Instagram at all. Like I was not on Instagram and didn't want to be at all. Um, the second time it happened, I was like, oh, I need to share about it. Cause if I keep this to myself, I'm gonna, it's gonna be dangerous. So that's when I realized I was like, oh, I that's need to be like honest and, and share and let people see me and help me. And then it was, it wasn't as, you know, it was, yeah, it's, it's gonna be traumatic and it's gonna be triggering and you know, I was, crying and I just felt so powerless, but. What would you recommend to women who, because you know, there are women who have alopecia. There's many, many women who have it and who experience hair loss after 20. 
30, 40, 50, and it's much, much harder on them. So what can you tell those women today about how you can still feel feminine, even though you might lose a big part of your femininity? I realized like it had to come from within. Like I have to feel, I have to know that I'm beautiful and sexy with or without my hair. Cause sometimes I have it and sometimes I don't. And if I don't have it, does that mean I'm not sexy? I don't think so. You know what I mean? And so I had, well, for me, what it looked like was I wore a lot of makeup. I wore, I like colored in my eyebrows really dark. I wore so much mascara. Like my friends were like, after my hair grew back, they were like, you need to tone it down with the mascara. We didn't want to say anything. And I was like, really? Like, they're like, yeah, it's too much. It's too much. I was like, oh my God, I needed it to feel safe. You know what I mean? I was almost like hiding behind. I was like, well, if I'm wearing a lot of mascara, maybe people won't notice that I'm bald, you know? Right. (laughs) Like overcompensating. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like really trying to like not do that, even though I have hair, but still like I got used to wearing that much makeup and thinking like, oh, that's femininity. It's like, no, that's also like a costume, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's like the inner, it's like the internal work that I have to do and like trusting and like building my own self-confidence and self-esteem by just who I am as a person and not what I look like. It's hard when you're bald. It's very hard because I didn't want to wear wigs. I didn't want to wear wigs because that felt like I was hiding Mm -hmm. and I wasn't ashamed of how I looked. I was proud. So you're proud with how you looked, but you still felt like you needed to do a little bit more extra work internally to feel feminine because you were, you didn't have this mainstream idea, you know, thing on your head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember people would be like, oh, you could just wear a hat. And I was like, I mean, when it was wintertime, I wore a hat, but then when I got inside places, I took it off and people were like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah. And in a way it's like a little shock value, which I like, and it helped with my comedy, you know, cause people, you get on stage and people are like, oh, we want to listen to what she has to say, you know? Okay. Um, right. Right. But, I, yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like the more you expose yourself in the ways that you're comfortable with, you just you just become comfortable overall. Yeah. Yeah. I be- Like, mm-hmm. I feel like everyone who knows my daughter too, they just, they don't even see that she's bald anymore. It's just like, this is who she yeah. is. Yeah. You know? Did she lose all her hair or is it just on her head? She lost everything. So okay. she doesn't have to do any waxing or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got the golden ticket. Exactly. <laughs> got to save money on that. Wow. Um, yeah. But honestly, I feel like when I see her, I sometimes encourage her when in the heat, you know, when the sun is shining on her head, I'm like, you know, girl, you got to put a hat on to protect your head. She doesn't want to put a hat on. I feel like she kind of like likes it right now. And I, and I pray that she continues being like that because I know, I know puberty is going to hit and she's going to be a teenager. She's going to be a young adult. These things are going to be natural comparing to other people. But I just hope that this confidence that she has right now is going to take, you know, it's going to be with her 
I mean, I feel like if she has it now, there's a good chance that she's always going to have it. And, you know, I feel like because your daughter has that confidence now, it's it's just going to get stronger and stronger. It's not like she's struggling now and like she's doing great, you know? Right. Which is amazing. And, you know, you were mentioning something before about, I forgot what you were saying. You were saying something about like, um, it goes with what you were saying. So my daughter might have confidence, right? Because like, she's proud of who she is, but she's not this like loud personality, like, hi everyone, look at me. Like, she's not the typical confident person. She's actually a very quiet person. Yeah. And it just reminds me of what you were saying about how like, about femininity. You know, that even though you don't have the typical look when you're bald, like everybody else, you can still, you're still sexy. You're still beautiful, even though you don't have that. That doesn't define you. It's not defined by the way that you look. But how can we work on ourselves internally when we're bombarded, bombarded with all of these messages about our bodies, how our bodies should look, how our faces should look, how much hair we should have, all these images that we're constantly seeing every click of the day. How I do we mean, get started? How do we get started? Yeah, like, where do we even begin? <laughs> I mean, I think the first thing is not to compare, which is so hard. Yeah. Because like, if we look to social media for our self-esteem, we're in a really bad place. Yeah. It has to come from within. If I'm comparing myself to other people and how they look and like what they have and if I'm I'm just I'm never gonna be happy. Right. Ever. Ever. So if I can compare myself to me and to who where I was a year ago or three years ago, then there's gratitude. Then there's room for gratitude, right? Like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe I don't have to go to a job that I hate. And I still do that. It's been two years. And I'm like, oh my God, I love my life. Thank you that I'm excited for my day. Beautiful. And then like, okay, so I look different. Maybe I have hair. I don't have hair. I don't know. But like, it's so important for me to focus on gratitude. Because then it's like, oh, you have that thing that I want. That's great. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. But like, I'm grateful for what I have. And I don't just say that, like, I actually mean it. Like I, I wake up oozing with gratitude most days and I write in the morning. I wake up and I just start writing and I talk to Hashem and I'm like, thank you. It starts with like, thank you for a good night's sleep. Thank you for helping me to go to sleep sober. Right. It's just like, thank you. Thank you for my apartment that I love. Thank you for, and then like, I'm coming at the day with like a perspective of like, wow, I'm so lucky. Look what I have and not, oh my God. I can go on Instagram and be like, oh, I don't have a family. I'm single. Ugh, never going to have a family. I'm never going to get married. Or, wow, maybe I, you know, thank you for taking the people out of my life that don't belong in my life, right? That I've been like holding on to that don't belong there. So it's all about perspective for me. Where do you, where do you get this from? How do how did you, <laughs> where did, did I, you, I have a lot of, I have a lot of support in my life. This is not, I don't do this because I'm a good person. I do this because this tool helps me to stay sane. Did you learn this from a religious background, a religious upbringing? 
No, this is not connected to my Yiddishkeit. This is connected to... That's so interesting. No, it's connected to my sobriety. Because they, they say a grateful alcoholic won't drink. That's the saying that they say. And so if I'm in gratitude, I don't need to destroy my life. So let's talk a little bit about your Yiddishkeit. We know you are a Jewish woman. Um, how, did you, how do you incorporate Judaism into your life? Because when you just said gratitude, I thought you got that from Judaism, but you said, no, you got it from no. sobriety. Yeah. It's so funny. I literally didn't even know how to use the word gratitude until I got sober. I hated that word when I was drinking because I had no gratitude in my life. I hated everybody. I was so angry. Like, honestly, you would not recognize me as a person, even from my face. I was a different person when I was drinking. Different. Um, and so I, I got sober and I learned how to practice being grateful, even when I'm not. So they're like, even if you're not great, okay, well, you want to, I don't want to take this off track because I know you want to talk about Yiddishkeit, right? No, yeah, um, it's fine. You just go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was the question about Judaism? Yeah. How do you incorporate do Judaism incorporate? into your life? So for me, there were many, many years, I'm going to say like, a good eight, nine years where I was like not connected to my Yiddishkeit at all. Wanted nothing to do with it. Like Shabbos was just another day. Did Saturday. you grow up? Did you grow up I grew Orthodox? Up Chabad. I grew up Chabad. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Chabad. My dad had a shul. He was a rabbi. Like, yeah, super strict. Um, and I had a lot of anger in my twenties towards Yiddishkeit. And so and towards, you know, I didn't know how to separate my anger from Yiddishkeit. I thought that I, because I was so angry, there wasn't room to have any love for Yiddishkeit. And so I disconnected. I dated somebody who wasn't Jewish. I didn't keep kosher on any level. I mean, I never had like bacon or pork, but like, I just didn't care. Didn't care. And then I think like six years ago, five years ago, I, um, I ended that relationship with the person who wasn't Jewish. It was six years ago. And I realized being in that relationship towards the end, I realized like I wanted to have Shabbos in my life, but this person didn't because like they weren't Jewish and they were like a performer and wanted to be out performing on Friday nights because that's like the big night, you know? So like for years, every Friday night, I was in like a club watching this person perform, right? And so it was literally another mm -hmm. night. And then when we broke up, I was like, I want to go to Shabbos meals. That's what I want. And so I started going to Shabbos meals like six years ago. And that's kind of how it started for me, getting back connected. It started with going to Shabbos meals. It started slowly going to finding a show that I felt connect, like that I could just show up in pants and still feel accepted. And then only like in the last year and a half did I like start keeping like my version of kosher and, you know, just like really like jumping in and like really like loving my Yiddishkeit. And like now, like when you ask, how do you incorporate it? I'm like, where is it my Yiddishkeit? Like that's how much it's a part of my life. That's what it feels like to me. Right. Like three years, three years ago, I wasn't fasting on Tisha B'Av. I was just like, Oh, that's so like, that's annoying for the people that have to fast. But like, do they know that they don't have to? You know what I mean? And now I'm like excited to like participate in this tradition. And I don't know where that shift happened, but it happened. And I'm like excited about it. Cause it's like, oh, I, I, I've like come back to my like religion in a way that feels so beautiful and meaningful 
to me, not because of anyone's telling me, oh, you can't eat this or you can't eat that. It's like, I don't want to eat that. I don't want to put that in my body. I've never had that experience, you know, which is a really beautiful thing because it feels like it's like a stronger connection than when I was like, you know, 15 and being told, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. So I'm not like from in the conventional way, like, but I observe Shabbos in a way that feels beautiful to me. Like I go to Shabbos meals, I go to shul, I'm around Jewish people enjoying food and like, it feels really nice. Your Judaism is full of love. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel constrictive. Constrictive. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I'm not sneeze. I wear pants. I, you know, I don't know, but you don't put yourself in a box. Like you wouldn't even call yourself modern Orthodox. No, exactly. Exactly. I'm more like, uh, you're just a Jew. Yeah, I'm Jewish, but like I love being Jewish. Like I wake up and I listen to Jewish music. It just touches my soul. Yes, I know from your everybody knows. <laughs> Every who doesn't know? You know what I'm saying? Wait. Like, I need to interrupt this podcast and tell everyone if you guys have not seen Hani's stories. <laughs> oh yeah. I sing up and freed in the shower and it's people find terrible. that weird. I don't know why that's weird. It's like normal. Everybody's it's doing hysterical. it. Hysterical. Everybody's exactly. doing it. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> honey, I noticed that um, you you said you became sober and you started to come back into Yiddishkeit. Was this all around the same time that you noticed that you were in a bad relationship, you were in a bad place? Like, did you becoming sober and you um, becoming more, um, let's say, observant? Happened at the same time? No. No, 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 no. I got sober 13. Next, in two weeks, will be 13 years. Oh, okay. I wow. literally only came back to Yiddishkeit, came back, whatever it means. I only started, you know, like five years ago. So it had nothing to do with my sobriety. It had to do with the inner work that I was doing on myself to like let go of the pain from my childhood. Beautiful. And yeah. What, what else do you think like helps you like become alive again besides, <laughs> besides like working on yourself and maybe, I don't know if you went to therapy or. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in therapy for, for a very long time, but two years ago I started trauma therapy and that has changed my life. That's all I'm going to say. Like literally oh, wow. changed my life. I feel like in the last two years I have come alive based on the work that I'm doing there. And um, I, I, I know that I'm 38 because that's like how old I am, but I feel like I'm like 22. I feel like I'm just starting my life because of how many more tools I have and how much more excited I am about who I am <clears throat> and my future. So, yeah. Wow. There's so many people who just live their lives day by day doing the same thing over and over again without any meaning, without any purpose. And they might be observant and keep every single halacha, do every ritual, but they're not alive. Mm. And I know that a big part of Judaism, it's not just do the rituals in, you know, this mundane and rote way. It's, it should be done with, intention and focus and i know one of the themes of tisha Bab, which is you know tomorrow night but this podcast is obviously going to be aired after that but 
I know one of the main focuses of Tisha B'Av is not just about Sinat Chinam, but it's also about how, you know, the prophets at the time were criticizing the Jewish people that we don't want, we don't want just your sacrifices. We don't want to just have your rituals. We want to see love, you know, love and gratitude and feeling and emotion and all of these things, justice and righteousness, human kindness, yeah, all of these things that Judaism actually thrives on. And you're showing us here that it's to be a Jew is not just to follow the orders and to be perfect and to cross, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's, but it's it's about like living with purpose and passion mm. and yeah, going to a higher calling. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't dot my T's or cross, dot my, cross yeah. my T's or dot my I's. <laughs> uh, I don't do any of that. Like if you saw me walking down the street, you would have been like, oh, there's a from girl walking. You'd be like, oh, okay. She's, you know, but like, you know, you might not know that like I get excited about Shalom Aleichem on Friday night. You know, like I close my eyes and I just like sing and it makes me so happy because for like, six or seven years, I couldn't even be around that song. It was so triggering for me. And so now that like, I get to hear it and sing it and be around Jewish people, I'm like, and it's a choice that I'm making. It just, I look forward to Friday night dinner like all week. It makes me so happy. This is such a beautiful thing that we do. And I get excited about it. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I. I don't know. What can you tell people? I mean, I know we don't have the answers, but maybe you can provide some, you know, not an answer, but some commentary on this. Because I find that a lot of Jewish people just, they lost their touch with their religion and they're so jaded with like life experiences and it's so, so hard to connect yeah. There's some being that you don't even see and like you just recite the words because you're yeah. supposed to do it. So <clears throat> anything, any like insight that you can give to people who have lost their touch with Judaism and they feel like they can't connect to the words of the Sidur, yeah. things are archaic, like what can you tell them? So it's funny that you asked that question because I don't daven from a sitter unless I'm like in shul, I, but I pray every single morning and I just talk. Cause the words are, I know them by heart from the sitter. They don't mean anything to me. And I know that that helps people to connect to God. But for me, I have a conversation with God and I say out loud or to myself, you know, if my roommate's home, you know, thank you. And then I just start talking and ask for what I need for that day. Help me to be kind. Please help me to be patient. Please help me to like be of service to somebody else. And I'm over the years, I've cultivated a relationship that feels personal. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to daven from a city. I'm going to daven mincha real quick. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm just like, I can just like close my eyes and connect and like feel this like higher being in my life. And I know maybe that sounds weird, but it takes work. Um, and I have people in my life who like 
help motivate me to stay connected. It's not just like something that I do by myself. You know, I have like a really good village of people who like are on this similar path of like trying to have this conversation with their higher power and make it personal. And um, yeah, when I, when I, when I do talk in the morning, I do say Hashem, you know, even though like it's a weird thing to do because like I'm not holding a sitter, but like I just talk. Um, and then at night I also like talk a little bit. So it's not like, it's just like having the conversation open. Do you incorporate some of that into your comedy also? Like yeah. your spiritual beliefs or maybe the way you connect? You, um, or that's I haven't. Like separate? Well, so I pray before I go on stage every time, like I go into the bathroom and I pray and I ask God to like help me to be of service to people in the audience and like, just let me be in the moment. And there was a time where I was like, should I get on stage and like, just pray out loud or people think that's weird. But then I never did it. I was, I was never brave enough to do that. Like to just be like, to get up. Cause yeah, to just like start praying and people will be like, what is this part of the joke? What's happening? <laughs> so I never did it, but I'm, I'm curious to know like what would happen if I did. Beautiful. But yeah, no, so I don't really, I haven't done that yet. Maybe after COVID. I mean, anything goes after COVID. Right. If there's an alien true. invasion, I won't be surprised. Which, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we might be having right now. No, exactly. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> um, honey, I just have, I have, I know we have so much to talk about. I can go on forever. I can talk to you about everything, oh, but we are, we do have a limit in time, but I do have one last question for you. And that's, what are your hopes and dreams for the world? Oh, wow. For yourself just, and for the world. Just a, a long question. Yeah, nothing crazy. Let's not go in too deep. Yeah. My hopes and dreams for the world, yes. the whole world. I mean, the soul you're, session. You're, you're, go, you're getting me at like, the world is at the worst I think it's ever been at. So it's like, what yeah. do I hope? I mean, I hope for, I would say world peace, but I would hope for just like peace. I <laughs> hope for like, I mean, I just want people to be nice to each other, you know? Yeah. Treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. Just be kind. I don't know. I don't know if that's the direction you were thinking of, but. No, but you know, based on what you experience in your life, you know, if you you went through some challenges and some traumas in your life so what are your hopes and dreams for other people so that they don't go through that maybe? got it that makes more sense okay yeah sorry yeah yeah, yeah. No, i was like i was like getting on a soapbox everybody be nice um <laughs> no that's I, good too. yeah 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 i was thinking that no matter what you're going through there is someone that has gone through it you are not alone in whatever whatever is upsetting you literally it could be addiction it could be abuse it could be you know sexual abuse it could be literally anything you are not alone and you it's okay and it's empowering to ask for help i would not be where i am today if i didn't ask for help every single day i'm not done asking for help and that has been the biggest lesson in my life is like share what you're going through with someone else and share the pain you don't know what can happen when you do that. So that's what I would say. Beautiful. Share the pain. Just share it. You don't know. Like when I share what's going on with me, I feel less alone. And when I feel less alone, I'm able to deal with it better. And then you also don't know who you're going to help when you share. 
right? Like I shared about my hair loss and look, it's two years later and now we're on a podcast exactly. together, right? I could have talked about, you know, something yeah. less real or personal and like kept it more power than vanilla, but it's like, no, let me go in there and like share about like, Hey, sometimes I'm bald and I hate it. Right. And then it's like, Oh wait, that resonates with people because people have that experience or something similar and then they can feel less alone in their stuff. Beautiful. So I don't get to decide who I get to help. You know, I just get to share my truth and hopefully yeah. it lands where it's supposed to. And now this is coming full circle and you never know. Now this podcast might help someone else. Hopefully. Might, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. God willing. Thank you Honey, so much for asking me. Of course. Hani, where can people find you? Um, should I give them my address? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> they want to see your painting. I live in Crown Heights. Okay. Um, the main place where you, I would say you should find me is on Instagram. I'm pretty active there. My name is Hani Lisbon. It's just how it sounds. C-H-A-N-I and then Lisbon, like the city, L-I-S-B-O-N. And uh, hopefully I can make you laugh over there. Ezrat Hashem. Oh, you will. <laughs> do you still have that subway account or no? I, I do, but I haven't been on the train in over six months. Right. And I don't like to film strangers anymore without asking them. Oh, okay. I've, I've matured a little <laughs> bit in the last four years, so I don't film strangers without asking them anymore. Okay, fine. But can, I know. <laughs> I know. Growing up sucks. <laughs> Adulting. I know, Gosh. exactly. All right. Thank Honey, you thank so much. Thank you. Of course. So. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Soul Sessions with KK. The goal of this podcast is to awaken your soul to different perspectives, perspectives that might be very, very different from yours. And I really, really admire the quote from Pierre K. Avot, Ethics of the Fathers, that says, who is wise? The one who learns from others. That is the goal of this show, for us to learn from other people, because that's what makes us wiser and better people. Anyway, it would mean the world to me if you can leave a review, on my podcast and also if you want to learn more about what i do you can check out my instagram page at coach.kk see you later